0: Thank you, um, thank you, Jessie. I'm Vivian, I'm a compulsive overeater. I wanna thank first, hi everybody. I wanna thank first Lucy, my dear friend Lucy for asking me to speak. And there are a lot of people besides Lucy that I love here and, and I've known you for a while. And for those who don't know me, I have been abstinent since January 4th, 1983, which I think to myself now, You know, that's like if you were in the 1920s and you were born in like, you know, 1883, but um, that's 38 years. And I think Nancy B was saying before the meeting, it's easy to stay abstinent for a day, but not for, you know, lots of years. You know what? It's I only stay abstinent every day. I only stay abstinent every day, one day at a time. Really, I only have to worry about am I going to break my abstinence today or am I not? And if I am willing to work the steps and do what's in front of me a day at a time, even going through some of the most horrible things I've ever had to go through, including the death of my husband, I have not had to um, compulsively overeat. And that is a spiritual gift. That is something that was absolutely impossible for me before you overeat I my I was also saying too, I think who was I talking to, Ben and somebody, somebody else before the meeting that my dream before coming to OA was to eat like an obese person and be a stick. And if that was possible now, I would tell you how, but it is not. <laughs> but what I have found is that I was someone who, I'm also a sugar addict, even though I am definitely, I take the first step in that I am powerless over food. And my life is unmanageable. Uh, There were many foods I liked, but definitely sugar was a thing that I was the most allergic to. When I first got, which I didn't know, by the way, when I got here, because 38 years ago, people didn't, uh, bulimia was not even well known. Let me tell you, I never heard of bulimia until I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And when I heard of it, I thought it was genius. But who thought of that? What a fantastic idea. I wish I could have done that. But um, you know, I'm lucky I couldn't have in the end. I, my earliest memories of compulsive eating are really way far back. I was like about five years old because we were still living in New York City. And we left New York, um, we moved when I was seven. And I remember sitting in front of the TV, zoning out because my real problem has always been that it is, I don't like living in reality. Reality is so frightening and so um, just not, it's not as easy as living in fantasy. Fantasy is a lot easier for me and food helped me to stay in that fantasy. And I remember sitting in front of the TV with a jar of um, kosher pickles on my right hand side with my hand in that jar and on the left, a bag of wise potato chips, which I guess is a regional potato chip because I've never seen it out in LA where I live now and just going, you know, crunch potato chip, sour pickle, back and forth, back and forth, and then watching television because I could just dream that way. Even when I was in school, I was was a smart student and I used to just stare into space for the entire time I was in school until like an hour was left. And then I would just do the work. I was always a big dreamer and, you know, food took me away, but sugar was my huge problem and I, and my, I remember my top weight was 142 pounds, and my bottom weight, I actually can't. I was thinking I can't actually remember whether it was 104, or 105 pounds, which I guess is progress that I can't remember. But I'm now about 120, and I'm about 5'5. I have been about this weight within 10 pounds or less for 38 years. <laughs> That's a miracle, you guys, um, because I was slowly, slowly, slowly going up. I'm the type of person that would, oh man, when I went to, I'll just give you some examples. Um, I, when I went to college, I, went, uh, I spent junior year abroad in London and I used to go to, um, first of all, it was wonderful then. Going to Europe meant nobody, you didn't have to see anybody. It was wonderful. You like really escaped. You could only like write to people because a long distance call was very expensive. Nobody ever did it. And I would go to two restaurants for lunch. I'd go like the early shift, 11 or so, and have lunch somewhere. And then I'd go at the late shift, one o'clock and have another lunch. I, gee whiz, I also had terrible self-esteem problems. Um, Even when I was thin, I never thought I was thin. Um, I remember my my mom and her friend, Polly, Polly Locke saying, Vivian, you're so thin. And I was about 105 pounds, but I'm just thinking you're old and you have low standards, <laughs> like I am not thin. <laughs> so even when I was thin, I never thought I was thin. I, I had a very warped view of food. When I came to this program, I was also for people, if heard the new people, I, I got Abby, of Sim, Michael, Karen, and I know I'm, I'm missing somebody, but everybody who is new, welcome and, and congratulations, to Alejandra and Steve and Bob and Lindsay. Keep coming back. I, when I came to this program, I liked the fact that it was nothing like a diet, because I had tried every diet, I had tried injections, I had tried pills, I I was thinking of trying like a you know a place where they go. They go and starve you in like these spas, but I knew it would have to be a place that would lock me up because if they let you out, I mean, forget it. I would would never last. I would have been a waste of money. But the thought of when I got here and I got here from someone at work who just happened to tell me about it um, and didn't even think I had a problem, dear Barbara Z, who was a, she was a hundred pounder. She was really a 300 pounder. And she, this program was very, um, central to her life and she introduced me to and she was an attraction because she was a very fun and funny person and she was very serious about the program and when she told me that you had to believe in god and pray and pray to god pray to a god that i didn't believe in i was an agnostic first of all if you were to put me in a room for a thousand years and said can you think of a way to stop uh, compulsively eating it never would have occurred to me to pray to god make um, an inventory of wrongs I'd done, that made more sense to me. Like, okay, I can see where I'd be eating about wrongs I had done to others because I was always feeling very guilty, and ashamed of things, Um, uh, make amends to them. Now, I wouldn't have thought of doing that, but that made a lot of sense to me. And then carrying a message to others. This was something unlike anything I'd ever tried. So I knew it had a chance. Because I had always tried being inspired by like magazine pictures or, you know, like it would be like Instagram now or, or diets or, and I was able to do diets for short amounts of time, like the buttermilk and yogurt, di- buttermilk and yogurt and wheat germ diet, where it was like, I think it was a, a cup and a half of buttermilk three times a day, or maybe it was a cup of buttermilk and half a cup of yogurt and, wheat bran three times a day. Now you'll lose a lot of weight on this, but I I couldn't keep it up. This was always my problem. I did not know how to have a life changing thing. And I didn't really know that my basic problem was an inability to face life. And the fact that food made it easier for me to face life because I was calmed down by food, but I didn't know how to enter the real world. So... Some of the gifts that I have gotten, and I do want to take questions by the way, if anybody has questions, because I actually love answering questions. Some of the big areas of things where um, I've gotten um, success in Readers Anonymous have been my relationship with my parents, um, my work and, and romantic relationships. All three of which were like, you know, in the, in the garbage can when I came here, I just didn't know what to do with Work And I also want to say, the idea of giving things over to God, that's where when I give things over to God, which means I start taking direction, I don't listen to my plans anymore. I let God speak through my sponsor. I don't pull people. I say, because when I do that, my self will comes in, because then I get to pick and choose what I want to do. And if I pick and choose what I want to do, I will, I will just by the fear that's inside of me will, without even knowing it, pick and choose something that is exactly what it aligned with what I was doing before because I'm too afraid to do something else. So I'll do things that my sponsor suggests. And the very, so the very first thing my, I remember my sponsor said to me that was life-changing was, Vivian, you have a terrible attitude about work. All you do is complain and you get there late all the time. And she said, I want you to get there on time And I want you to smile every day, all day. And I just thought, wow. Um, But the idea of getting anywhere early has always been anathema to me. I only get places early because of program, because I like to be late everywhere. And But the thing was, I was willing to do it. I was willing to do it, even though I remember practicing like smiling in the mirror and thinking, God, it looks so fake. And she told me, you know, who cares if it looks fake? Just do it. So I did. I, I, I remember this was in the olden days when even though I graduated from college, entry-level jobs pretty much were like secretary to start. <laughs> and I, which you may not even know what a secretary is if you're really young, but you would, they had like um, computers then, somebody would write something on the computer or they would write it out and they would hand it to you, put on the Xerox machine and make copies. So I remember, or they did to me anyway. So I remember at first, before my sponsor gave me this direction, I said, I would look at my boss's, um, you know, memo or whatever to his letter, to whatever he said he was gonna do. I would read it over and I would think, man, you know, I am so much smarter than you. I should have your job. I can't believe you're my boss. But and then the, on the other hand, I would think to myself, you know, in a smaller voice, but please don't let me do anything harder than Xeroxing because I'm not sure I can do it. So I had this dichotomy between, I thought I could do a lot, but I had absolutely no confidence at all. And I was always, you know, angry at work. And the, now after she gave me this direction, here I am smiling all day. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'd love to. And I took my boss's, you know, paper and I ran to the Xerox machine and I put it down perfectly and I was like, and I did it really quickly and I was giving myself a little pats and back, well done, and then I gave it to my boss. And, you know, after nine months of following this direction, getting there early as becoming from somebody who gets there late to somebody who gets there early and smiling all day, both of my bosses called me into their office. This is... Um, and I guess there were women because I can see them in my head, Allison and Anne. And they said, Vivian, I was working in advertising. today. So they said, we don't usually do this, but you have been such a great employee. We're going to give you a spot bonus from our discretionary fund, which was like $2,000. And I was making like $14,000 a year at the time. That right there and then that was a spiritual experience. And I have to say the job area of my life has increased dramatically, the most dramatically, because that was the area that I was most willing to give to God from the first. Um, another area that went really well was my, that started going well was my relationship with my mom, which I don't know, if, I, it seems like maybe it's just because people don't want to talk about if they have a great relationship with their mom because so many people don't, but so I don't know how many people have a great relationship with their mom, but I've always had a contentious one with my mom. We, we, I never felt like she was on my side. And, but my, my sponsor pointed out to me, Vivian, all you do is call up your parents and ask for money. And I was like, well, you know, what else do you do with parents? Like, (laughs) and she was like, shame on you. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. You will not ask them for money anymore. And I was terrified because I really didn't think I could support myself. I knew I was very good at school, but I was never one of these people that couldn't wait to graduate. I was terrified of graduating. I knew I knew how to do school, but I did not know how to do work. So, but I took her direction and um, I I started calling. Anyway, I called my parents. I, I stopped taking money from them. And she said, call them every week and I want you to write, you know, write down a couple of things, two or three things that are not controversial. Don't say anything that's going to make them mad. Tell them about your life and ask them about them. Because I said to her, "What do I say?" And she just said, "You yeah, know, make up something little. It doesn't have to be big. Just tell them little things that are happening." So I started doing that. Do you know? To this day, uh, we're talking thirty-eight years later. I still do that. I still do. And after about two years, because I become, I become financially um a financially contributing self-supporting member i also started paying back my credit cards and i had two credit cards that i had a lot of money i owed on and i finally was able to pay back one after two years also if you're if anyone has trouble with credit cards all i did was write a letter to these companies and say i can only afford to pay you this is like nothing like you know 25 dollars a month and i thought they were gonna write me back and say forget it you have to do something else they all said, sure, We're so happy to hear from you, great. And it started to be like a game for me where I, I got excited in seeing the amount go down. Instead of seeing what I could buy, I was excited to see my debt go down. And so one day after paying down a credit card, I thought I would tell my parents because that was big news. You know, that was something that's non-controversial that they would like. So I told this to my parents and then uh, the next week, my mom, who had really, we, nobody ever screams at each other in our house. It just doesn't happen, but we get to just the point where we wanted to. And she she said to me, you know, Vivian, you and um, my, and your dad and I've been talking, and we're so proud of you for paying off this credit card that we're going to pay off your other credit card. Can you believe it? I mean, she, I was taken aback. I did not expect. First, number one, I had definitely had a spiritual experience because I did not expect them to pay anything back anymore at all. And I think that's the most important part. and You know, number two, you know, I asked her if I could and she said yes. Hooray. So I think, how much how much time do I? Have? Oh, I actually have a lot of time left. So I can even tell you about the third part. But, Me and my mom, I really, my sponsor right now tells me all the time, be a kind and loving daughter, be a kind and loving wife, be a kind and loving friend. And really when I think of my parents and when I am with my parents, I just try and be kind and loving. That to me is just excellent advice. And today my mom has sort of Alzheimer's. She's getting into Alzheimer's. It's not like talking to an adult anymore. My dad, he still has all his mental faculties, but not my mom. And she, I think we get along better now than we ever have to tell you the truth. Suddenly she's really on my side. And I'm grateful for that. And I just try and be kind and loving. And I just try and be kind and loving and ask how they are and be consistent because love is about consistency too. So the third area that got a lot better. And, you know, by the way, all of you waiting for like, uh, talk about more talk about compulsive reading, the miracle is that I'm entering life doing all these things and my weight is stable. And by the way, I sponsored 10 people. Um, I actually I love sponsoring people. Actually, I like sponsoring like 10. That's enough. I'm not somebody that can sponsor some people can sponsor like, 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, some people even go to like 100. I am not that person, but I can go to 10. I'm very comfortable at about 10. I think it's super important to be very welcoming and very happy to hear from all my sponsees. And one of my former sponsors taught me that because when I was new with her and I did not, and I was sort of miserable and I, I didn't think she'd want to hear from me every day. She always sounded happy to hear from me and that meant so much to me. So I, I make sure that I have enough sponsors that I feel like I'm being an, of enough service. I've heard it said that you feel like you're being slightly inconvenienced. It's sort of that feeling because sometimes, sometimes I'm really happy to hear from people, but if I'm in the middle of something else, like it could be something on my computer or it doesn't matter. It could be even writing a check. I don't want to hear from anybody. <laughs> I like I like having a single focus, but I just—I always answer, and I'm happy to hear from them. And I—and I make sure it, it sounds that way, whether I am or not. When I hang up, I am very happy that I heard from them, because this is what keeps me from having to compulsively overeat. This is part of working the steps, besides having done my inventory and my events, you know, et cetera. So I think it is. I'll, I'm just going to give you. going to give you a few minutes on the thing that I, I held on to the longest. I did not want to give to God romantic relationships. And because I thought, you know, part of the thing of giving it to God is you have to be okay with whatever God wants. If God doesn't want me to have a romantic relationship, I have to be okay with that. So I didn't want to give it to God because I was not okay with that. I guess I was okay if I failed at work, you know, who knew? But And I guess I was okay with whatever happened with my parents, but I was not okay without having a romantic relationship. That's my own little buzzer to me. But I will tell you that one day it occurred to me that God couldn't do any of a worse of a job with relationships than I had. It would be really hard. (laughs) So why not give him a year and see how he does? And I had to join another program for that. You know, here you're allowed to talk about it. I mean, if you're in other programs, I, like many people, am uh, cross-addicted. I, I, number one, I'm a compulsive overeater. That is the disease I've had the longest since, um, since I can remember, since at least age five. It could have even been in the bassinet. Um, also, I go to... Alcoholics Anonymous, I am an alcoholic. I really caught that early, I think, because I was able to, I joined a very strong group and I was able to see the parallels between um, compulsive overeating and drinking and my behavior and identify with that. And then I also go to Al-Anon. Anyway, I for romantic relationships, I ended up going to, I ended up going to Al-Anon and really, I know how to do a program. If you're having trouble with program, I get in the center of the herd I, I feel like if I'm not going to do if I'm going to do a program I want to do it all the way and I want to get an a like I'm getting doing a class I either want to not do it at all and just you know go to a bakery because what is the use the, the, like the big book says half measures avail us nothing so what's the point uh, or so I want to do it either all the way or I just don't want to do it at all so I, I gave romantic relations up to god i stopped trying to pursue it i stopped calling boys and they were boys then 10 minutes minutes. okay so anyway it has all worked out for the good but i'm dying to take questions because i absolutely love answering questions so if anyone has any questions go ahead and ask me otherwise i can go back to talking but i would love to hear questions thank you Oh, goody. There's Nancy has a question, but I think someone else is moderating.
1: Nancy, you can go ahead with the question. Uh, Thank you. My name is Nancy B. I am a compulsive over. I've been abstaining in this program of Overeaters Anonymous 44 years, 11 months now, and I'm maintaining 150 pound weight loss. Obviously, at 300 pounds, I came here with a lot of shame and a lot of anger and a lot of hurt. So would you be able to share with us, first of all, would you share with us what you did? Because this tape will be heard by newcomers all over the world who are struggling to get abstinent. Will you tell us what you did? Did you get a food plan? Did you get a sponsor? Did you call it in? Did you go to a nutritionist at some point? Would you talk a little about how you got going on this program? And then- i second Oh, go ahead. Would you please share with us a little bit about this program is a spiritual program and it's based on slowing down and, and removing the things that stand between you and God between you and the good you know to allow
0: okay so when I first got here um I as I said I I am a sugar addict and Barbara, my sponsor, suggested to me, first of all, I asked somebody to sponsor me. That was number one. I went to my first meeting and I identified. So I identified absolutely. I remember my first share was that I used to uh, eat my way through grocery stores. And everybody, I was never able to tell that to anybody and everybody identified. So I just knew from the first meeting that I was a compulsive overeater. I, and they said, get a sponsor. I asked my um my friend barbara to be my sponsor and she suggested that i make my abstinent food plan which they just called abstinence no sugar uh because she had seen me eat and i said oh barbara i can't (laughs) Uh, because i really couldn't and she said well you can try it for 30 days some people are able to take it back so she was so smart she knew i would never ever be one of these people that could take it back but she was so smart and so I said okay and I remember I wanted to make it after my favorite diet dressing creamy cucumber from Kraft which is probably full of all sorts of um, things that cause cancer but I hated eating salads at that point so anything that made me eat healthy things I, I liked and I remember walking into Cafe Casino which is a uh, which you'll remember, it was a, um, a restaurant here where they had healthy things, but they, it was sort of European, and they had a big dessert case with all these patisserie. I remember walking in in Westwood, it was a chain, and I'm walking in in Westwood and, and looking at the pastries, and I really wanted them, and I they, remember they said to pray to God, and even though I felt stupid praying to God, I said, God, please help me to not eat sugar, or not eat the pastry, something like that, said it to myself. And then it wasn't like I felt a lightning bolt happen, but I walked out of the restaurant. I walked out without eating any pastries. And that turned out to be the turning point. Mm -hmm. I also went to, I went to about six meetings a week. I got, I was told to get commitments. I got commitments at all my meetings. A commitment is a little job that you have to do every week at the meeting. One of my first commitments was being the coffee person because it was very important to me that you have um, sweet and low and you have like cu- different types of teas and like anything because I was jonesing. I In fact, somebody, Len, who's known me a long time, he just remembers that I was always chewing gum because I was so addicted to sugar. I was ch- chewing all the sugar-free gum. I had terrible stomach aches. Anyway, so I did that. Uh, like I said, I I for the spiritual part of the program, I pretended to talk to God. I didn't feel, I didn't really believe there was a God, but they they said, you know, you just have to act as if, just act as if, all right, even though I feel stupid. And I, so I acted as if I talked to God, even though I didn't believe there was a God. I um, I wrote down the rest of the spiritual part of the program, it, you know, writing down my, um, my um, inventory where I told people, I wrote down all the shameful things, shameful to me anyway, that I had done. And I made amends, as my sponsor told me, um, and the way she told me to make amends, I did exactly what she said. I keep going to meetings. Uh, meditation has become a bigger part of my program now because it really helps calm me down. I find that some a couple of my character defects are temper. Um, especially if I, uh, whoever I'm living with, which is, you know, my husband, uh, temper and um, loneliness. I often get these terrible feelings of loneliness. And I use meditation to, and what I do is here's how I meditate. And I hope this is not too long an answer for everybody, but I set my iPhone to 30 minutes is usually, 30 minutes to an hour is my preferred Time because before that it's not really enough time for me to get enough out of it. I need to sort of come down in my whatever high I'm from from not really high but lonely during my loneliness or my temper. I need to get into another space. It takes me at least thirty minutes, and I will just um, so I I set my iPhone. I sit either sit or uh, on the sofa or lie down on the on the bed, and I close my eyes. And I just repeat over and over a God phrase. I found I have to talk to God. I can't just if I don't involve God in the phrase that I say over and over again, I get into self pity, and that doesn't get me anywhere. That's not a, that's not a meditation because I'm not talking to God. So I'll say something like, God, please, uh, I like like I'm going to feel my loneliness. I let it all in. It's just say that's that's what's going on. I'll feel the loneliness. And God, please help me. God, God, please help me. God, please help me. Or if it's something where temper, like sometimes I can be really specific, like God, please help me to not get mad at my husband on the way to a Michi tonight. <laughs> please help me to be a kind and loving wife. Because sometimes for uh, through no reason of his own, I get angry for no reason, really. Uh, and it calms me down. Meditation calms me down a lot. I also repeat the, my favorite prayer is on awakening, uh, which I know by heart. So I, I hope that helped for everybody.
1: Thank you. Karen A.
0: Hi there, Vivian, thank you so much. That was incredibly inspirational. Um, I'm literally on day one. I have been in another food program, but not abstinent for several years. And, uh, you know, you've said a lot that's really, really inspirational. If you had to pick like one thing that's so important for the newcomer, like just for me to do tomorrow, I don't know, like everything that you said, I'm not gonna remember, maybe I'll have to re-listen, but just one thing that you can think of what's the most important for you. Okay, I'm gonna say actually two things. One is for while we're here in Zoom meetings. Um, I get everywhere 10 minutes early. I get to my meetings 10 minutes early. Get there ten minutes early. It helps you to be hooked into the meeting, part of the group, feel not so intimidated. Makes you a part of. Um, and then when you go, when we go back to in-person meetings, I always say the most important thing is get commitments. When I have a commitment at my meeting, I'm going to show up there because I'm showing up for you. Uh, because when I first got to OA, I didn't think enough of myself to show up for me, but I didn't want to let you down. So when I was the chip person or I was the coffee person or I was the candle person, you know, I made sure I got there. So Zoom meetings, get there 10 minutes early and say hi to people. I say hi, it doesn't end. And when we get back in person, get commitments. You obviously get a sponsor, but I think commitments are even more important because a commitment will lead you to a sponsor. Any more questions or are we done? I think we're almost done. 19, I think we can end there. Thank you so much, Vivian.